So as we speak this morning, I was uh, looking around, looking at the news, thinking about what's going on. And if, if you've been watching the news, uh, you've been probably seeing news of forest fires. Though it's early in the spring season, uh, scientists are saying we might be seeing more and more fires across Canada. So communities that I know in northern Alberta, like uh, Fox Creek, High Level, uh, Grand Prairie, where we used to live about 10 years ago, they're, they're all in these heavily forested areas and fires are quite prone. Um, so the, the little video you're seeing there is put out by a lab at UBC. So my daughter, Jelena, got a job as an undergrad this summer with this department called the Weather Forecast Research Team. Very cool. And so they developed this website called firesmoke.ca. And I've noticed that the media outlets across Canada have been using it to predict. So if it's hazy outside and you want to know, is that fire smoke? How many parts per million? You can go on this website and they'll tell you if, if that's affecting us here in Vancouver. So in May, uh, our family members, Ip and Grand Prairie, were facing possible fire evacuation. So we looked online, used this website, and found that fires were burning out of control just 10 kilometers south of Grand Prairie, in the very neighborhood where we used to live. And so our brother-in-law and sister Kara, John and Kara, they still live there. And so fire smoke was sort of blanketing their neighborhood, and it was really alarming, and they were at risk of evacuation. And it's scary because, as maybe you see in the news, uh, fire can sort of jump the road and it catches a house and really can be very dangerous. So my wife, Clanza, asked my daughter, Jelena, like, oh, could you maybe look online and, and we'll record some comments uh, that you can send home, maybe some, some reassurance about the weather and the forecast. So as Jelena looked at the data online, her, her eyes grew wide and she says, no, it's, it's really bad. It's, it's really bad. I, I don't, you know, this isn't not good. So then they decided, okay, they're not going to record anything. <laughs> Better to not send that home. And so, um, you know, here it is. You know, even if we can predict the movements, uh, our, our human attempts seem feeble to stop uh, the possible damage. So in this uh, series we're in about the Holy Spirit, as you've been hearing, we're talking about all the attributes of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture. Um, very practical things that he invites us to welcome into our lives. And this week, we're looking at the Holy Spirit as God's fire. So I've called it God's wildfire. I'm going to read for us from Luke chapter 3, verse 16. And this is what it says. John answered them all and said, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Maybe a familiar passage. The person speaking here, his name is John the Baptist. He's this interesting and mysterious figure at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We see him in all four Gospels. And he's living in the wilderness outside the Jewish towns. And he's inviting people to come be baptized with water. It's this symbolic turning from life of sin to a life-pleasing God. And so in this verse, he's saying, okay, we're doing this. I'm baptizing you this way. But a new kind of baptism is coming. So John's baptism, as he said, was with water. And, if, and, and the Messiah was going to be with Holy Spirit's fire. So if John's was sort of about religious fervor and people making sort of a human choice, okay, I want to I turn towards God and, and, and turn my life to him. He's saying 
the coming Messiah, Jesus' baptism was going to be something different. Something outside of our control, something of God's spiritual power, specifically his Holy Spirit, was coming. God's fire was coming. So we want to ask, what was John signaling? What kind of fire is the Holy Spirit sending and did send? So that's our focus today. So I want to go back and talk about forest fires again for a moment. So again, as I said, as we watch the news, as I watch it, I, I just see it as scary, destructive, and powerful in negative ways. So in 2021, in BC, we saw the whole town of Lytton destroyed, and apparently 90% of the people are still not back. This week in Halifax, uh, neighborhoods caught fire from wildfires and some homes burned to the ground. Uh, so again, we've seen it in Australia, we've seen it in California. And scientists like my daughter Jelena are saying we might see more of this. Okay, so that's bad news. So again, I, I started searching. Okay, is there any positive news about forest fires? I needed some encouragement. And so I found out a couple things. I actually found that fires act to purify forests. And this quote really surprised me. They said, fire is the primary change agent in the boreal forest zone. It's as crucial to the forest renewal as sun and rain. Uh, that really surprised me. I think there might be a slide showing that. And uh, so apparently forest fires, they, con they control pests. They burn overgrowth and they, they release valuable nutrients that have been trapped. So that's one. The second one is they, they're a powerful uh, agent of power in the forest. They open the, the canopy to light so smaller trees can grow. And they allow some species, like the lodgepole and jack pine, to reproduce by opening their cones and actually freeing the seeds. So when I look at the destructive power of fire on the news, and then I compare it to this good news of what fire actually does in the forest, it just surprised me and interested me. And so, just like forest fires play this crucial role, what is God's fire? What, what role does God want to play through his Holy Spirit and fire in our lives? So we turn over to Acts chapter 2, this famous passage. We heard about it last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. So let me read this few verses again. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. So this is that moment that John the Baptist had predicted it, it had come. And those early disciples were doing what they were told during those 40 days with Jesus after he rose from the dead. He had said this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So John predicted it. Jesus predicted it. And even in the Old Testament, it's predicted. The prophet Joel, 400 years before this, had said this. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. So there we go. The, this day of the Lord predicted in this sort of a fiery way. But again, we have to ask, for what? What kind of fire did the Lord set that day on Pentecost 2,000 years ago? And Jesus answers this very question. Again, we look at Acts chapter 1. He says this, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God was lighting an explosive fire that would lead his disciples then and now to witness about Jesus to the whole ends of the earth. So let's go back to to chapter 2 of Acts and see what happened next and see what they did. Verse 4 says this, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So in this passage, it it seems particular to, to language translation. And it's amazing. The, the following verses, then in 5 to 11, we read this account of all the different languages that are spoken. And again, you have to remember, these are, are peasants from Galilee, the fishermen. They're, they're not linguists. This f- list of 15 nations is given. And uh, there's a little map here, uh, a map of all the people. Uh, this, it's the spiral out from Jerusalem to this whole known world. And we hear the people in Acts say this. We hear them declaring the the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So here we are. The Bible calls this crowd of people God-fearing Jews from all these nations as close by as Judea and from as far away as North Africa and Rome. These same people would have been there through the events of Easter and the crucifixion. They would have heard rumors of the, of the resurrection. Some of them likely saw Jesus. And here they are now gathered 50 days later in Jerusalem for this traditional ceremony of Pentecost. So they're ethnically Jewish, but they don't speak the, the local language, the Aramaic that Jesus and his disciples spoke. So there was a problem, and it was a problem only God could solve. You see, because God's dream is always has been that all the nations would hear his amazing news of the gospel and receive this same spirit of power. We see this at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis where it says this to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So right there at the beginning, there's this sending and scattering so that God's message could eventually reach all the nations. And then we we fast forward to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 7, where it says this, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So again, we see that God's goal has always been for all the nations to hear his amazing news and to receive the transforming power of the Spirit in their lives. So there's this this fire burning in the heart of God that is bursting to come out, and it's the restoration of his whole family. And interestingly, God's plan for all the family to hear is us. God's plan A is, is us. We sometimes wish there was a plan B to reach his family, but it's us. And yet, we as his family tend to have a problem. God's movement somehow seems to not be able to always work until his fire arrives among us. So back in in that early church, which we read about in Acts 2, we, we know that the good news of Jesus was sort of locked up among a handful of these Jewish followers, but it needed to spread. So on that day, on that day of Pentecost, the gospel was sort of like pine cones 
in an old forest. You see, pine cones are designed in a way to protect a seed until it can germinate, until the conditions to germinate are just right. They're this sort of tiny precursor to these massive pine trees, trees which are taking the CO2 and release O2 and, and, and give a, a home for the forest animals and, and wood for our homes. These little pine cones can accomplish none of that, none of that purpose until they go through fire. So the fire seems to re release the seeds from the cone and also make the soil ready to receive those seeds. So it's just so interesting to me. Biology is this strange and amazing thing. So on the day of Pentecost, all the conditions were right for, for this fire to happen. Jesus had done his sacrificial work. God's followers from the whole known world were there. And like a pine cone, it was helpless to spread unless fire came. So these group of Jesus' followers needed God's help to, to remove the barriers it was go time for God's mission. So then, uh, like a forest, like these pine cones that needs fire, I was thinking, what, what are the barriers that they face and that we face? So one was just simple geographic location. In chapter 2, it says they were gathered in Jerusalem. So these, these peasant followers, they, they all lived within about 150 kilometers of Jerusalem. They were going to need to be scattered in order for the, the whole known world up to us today to hear anything about Jesus. And the second one was something of maybe cultural comfort. So those disciples staying in Jerusalem, celebrating Pentecost, they were probably enjoying all the traditions. Maybe the, you know how traditions are. There's the special foods. There's the, the people we meet with. You decorate your home for these traditions. So there was good tradition. They'd been celebrating it as a culture for centuries. But the tradition was all pointing to something. And the very thing it was pointing to was now here. The pine cone of their geography and, and their culture had protected the seed. But now it had done its job and the seed needed to be opened and scattered. So the, the good news of, of this gospel was, was within them, but it, it was stuck. Fire was needed. Like an old forest where the standing trees crowd out all the other growth where there's piles of dead fall in the forest, God's only solution was fire. The purifying, motivating fire. So that the way for all the nations could be opened up. We need God's help to do what God intends to do among us. So I don't, I don't know if you relate to any of these type of barriers. I know I do. You know, we love God. We, we love his word. We gather like this to hear all about it every Sunday. But if you're like me, it can, it can just sort of get locked up, kind of get locked up inside, unable to overcome our barriers. You know, we, we tend to love to stay near home where it's close. We, we tend to sort of stay in our, our bit of our cultural bubbles because it's just, it's just comfortable. And God knows that. Missiologist Andrew Walls talks about the gospel spreading in this way. And he, he says, the gospel always makes its home in every culture. So that's good news for us from whatever culture and language we're from. The, the gospel finds its home in our culture and in our language. He calls that the indigenizing principle. But then he also says the gospel cannot be contained in any one culture. It always must keep moving. He calls that the pilgrim principle. It keeps moving. So one spring a few years ago, I, I had a, 
experience of something like this, the gospel on the move, the Holy Spirit igniting his fire in me. So when I worked at the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship Ministry, we would often go out to Denman Island and we would take students out there. We have a, a friend out there with a family farm and for decades that that family has been welcoming people and a lot of newcomers, for example, to come out and hear about Jesus. So on that particular retreat, I invited a number of Arab friends from Syria. They were students, international students at UBC where I worked, and a number of them had been coming to our socials, to, to our Bible studies, and I found I did have this sort of burning desire for them to know about Jesus and just to get to know them and, and spread God's love. So there we were. It's not the cabin we stayed in, but sort of an approximation. There was sort of a, an upstairs and a downstairs. There was many bedrooms. And uh, I happened to be sort of up in the loft, and the living room was down below, and we were all sort of spread out and, and had this great time. So the first night of our arrival, we did, as students generally do, and Arab students particularly do, the good times really get rolling around 10 p.m., Good time, celebration, the food comes out, the dancing and music and just all of that. So, of course, we went to bed tired, completely tired. And so then there I was uh, sleeping in my loft and sort of then surprised awake around 4 a.m. I'm like, why do I hear furniture being moved sort of down in the living room? And I, why, why do I hear rustling around? And so you need to know these are all Muslim students. Muslim students pray five times a day, and the first prayer is at dawn. So they were moving furniture to sort of arrange themselves so they could pray. And so there I am, uh, they, they sort of, in Arabic, someone puts out a call to prayer, and they kneel, they stand up. And so here I am, in my bed, up in the loft, overhearing all this prayer activity down below. And I remember feeling a, a couple things. I remember feeling humbled by their dedication. You know, it's 4 a.m. and here's students that stayed up late praying. And me as a Christian leader, up in bed. <laughs> and then I felt intensely interested to know, what are they praying? What are, what are they saying? And I wondered, Jesus, can you interact with them as they're praying to the way they understand? Can you reach them as they pray? I've heard God doing that even in the midst of prayer. And that's when I felt God's fire light in me. I just had these strong desires, so I found myself slipping out of bed, down on my knees, right beside my bed, and I just began pouring my heart out, praying the Lord's Prayer, pouring my heart out of prayer for my friends that they could know Jesus. So the, the weekend ended, an amazing weekend, and I went home, and I found that this fire didn't go out. Every morning, it was Lent season, the 40 days before Easter, so every morning, I, I would just sort of wake up at 4 a.m. and think, okay, Spirit, I guess that's where I am. So i down on the knees, praying for my friends, uh, praying all about them, praying that they would know Jesus, praying that I could even utter the gospel in Arabic. I prayed that, didn't work. Uh, so I had this burning desire for them to know Jesus. My interest and energy went up for the, to, to continue meeting with them, to welcome them. My energy to study Arabic went up because the Spirit wasn't just going to download it on me. Knowing people's heart language really makes a difference in sharing the gospel. So we've been talking about how God wants uh, this, this fire burns in him, and he wants it to burn across the whole world, and he wants to involve us in it. He's trying, as that movie's title says, he's trying everything 
everywhere all at once to get his message out. And so the Holy Spirit's invitation for us today is, will we let God's fire burn in us so his message can get out? This amazing news that, that our shame because of sin somehow gets transferred onto Jesus so that the glory and goodness of Jesus gets transferred on to us. It's, it's this good gospel of power that just frees and releases people of all cultures. Like it says in Habakkuk, so that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's this amazing news. But we, as his messengers, his plan A, we get stuck. We have dead wood. We have things blocking us, our language, our culture, our, our comforts. God invites and wants this to change. So I thought, how could we end this time together? How could we invite the Holy Spirit to ignite us in a, in a certain way? So I, I thought of this. We can pray. We can pray in a couple particular ways. So we're actually going to end our time by doing some particular prayer together. So I'm going to give us two ways we're going to pray. So one of the categories I'd like to invite prayer together this morning is to pray for our friends and family. So my question is, who's on your prayer list? Do you have a regular prayer list? Do, do you pray about friends? So a famous American pastor, Dwight L. Moody, is, was said to have had a list of 100 people, and he would carry it around in his suit pocket. And during his lifetime, he would pray for them and speak with them, and 96 of them became believers in Jesus. The remaining four became believers at his funeral. So apparently it's powerful when we, when, we, when we know our friends, we list them, we pray for them. So we're going to take a moment in a minute, and, and you may, the Spirit might say, yeah, write these names down. I want you to pray for them. Only you can reach this friend. I, I can't, or Alan can't, but maybe you can. Maybe God has something for you. The second category of prayer we're going to uh, enjoy is praying for those uh, supported by our church that have given their lives, their careers for mission. So I, I listed a bunch of them here that we support. There's a slide for that that will come up. I'll, I'll just go through it. It'll come up again later. So we have our own Alan Lensink, who you've met this morning, reaching among grad students at UBC. Uh, Janice Augustin, reaching among students at SFU. She's up there. <laughs> uh, so we're grateful for that. Sean and Esther Liu, you, you heard Sean speak a few weeks ago, of working with Wycliffe and reaching uh, people in Asia. Uh, Peter Quek. Uh, reaching business people in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland area. David Gotts with International China Concern, reaching out among children with disabilities in Asia. And Tanya Lyons with YWAM, Youth with a Mission in Scotland, discipling people. So that slide's going to go away and come back again. So I want to bring that first one back, that slide that says, who's on your prayer list? So I'm going to give us about two minutes, and I encourage you to pray just alone where you are. The second one we'll pray together. But this first one, would you just pray and, and let the Spirit put names on your heart and those prayers to begin in your life. Let's pray. Trust that the Spirit's been bringing names, and you've been praying for those folks that, that are on your heart. So I'm going to move us to this next section, and that, that slide of our missionaries is going to come back up. Uh, and I'd actually like you to turn to the person next to you, just maybe two people or three, and I'd invite you to pray out loud. Just look at the names. Uh, you may not know anything about them or their, or their mission, 
But just begin praying out loud. Pray for these people and the Spirit will enable you to pray. I'm going to give us about three minutes to pray together all at once, just quietly where you are together. So great to hear us praying corporately. So let me just conclude our time by praying over us. Spirit of God, you are among us. We who believe in you, you are with us, Spirit. And your fire wants to continue burning and smoldering and and bursting out in the form of of love to others, in the form of speaking to others through, through us, through these missionaries. Would you ignite in us and ignite around us this message of love to reach all the nations? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.